Hello, hi. I have an explanation um, as to why we're a bit late. Um, so I have a note on my phone and on my computer in which I put all of the records that are coming out on particular dates that have been announced. And I also have, you know, I check magazines for um, more indie things I would have missed and, and stuff like that. And I have, I, I make a list of the records I think are worth looking at, you know, things that seem like they would generate attention. And then I, I those are the ones I review, you know, three per week, right? Okay, so the problem is it's, it's um, usually... Albums are released weekly. You know, the the they'll, it'll be coordinated so that they come out, so that then they have a week and they come up on the Billboard chart. That's just how it is. Obviously, you have people self-releasing things at whatever you know date, but more often than not, you get big clumps every week, just as with any other art form. You know, films on Thursdays, whatever, right? Um, and cr right now for this week. Uh, we're looking at everything that came out on the 7th of February because anything from the 31st of January or before is a little bit late now. And anything that's coming out on the 14th of February has not actually come out because it is the 12th. Um, so, oh, I just revealed how late we are. Shit, sorry. <laughs> um, but 7th of February, uh, the releases look like this, right? Um, it is... Uh, there's a Stone Temple Pilots record um, called Pedita. Um, there's a... Drag queen called Trixie Mattel, and they they he has a, a pop record called Barbara or something, and then there's like Birds of Prey the album, and then there's um uh like this Green Day album that we're gonna do in this episode, and one other band called Larue. I've actually never heard of them, and they have an album called Supervision, and that's what we're doing on Friday. Um, and Monday was meant to be Green Day, Wednesday was meant to be something else, and Friday was meant to be Larue. Uh, but the problem is, is I couldn't find um, a record out of these that I thought I could stomach sitting through. Um, uh, so we're dodging an episode purely because we can't do anything else. Maybe in the future if this happens, I'll do a retrospective one. Uh, but I wasn't so well prepared this week, so I'm, I'm, I'm quite sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm just, for the record, don't listen to the Stone Temple Pilots one or the Trixie Mattel or any of that. It's It's not... Don't, 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 don't. This is the record store. How can I help you, person standing directly in front of me on the other side of the till? Hey, mate, could you just take a massive shit and stick it in a vinyl sleeve and sell it to me? Sure can do, buddy. Okay, so, look, um, this week, Green Day um, have released an album called Father of All Motherfuckers, um, and it's really shockingly, like, mediocre to the point of it actually being bad. And not often do I hear a work, and especially a musical work, because if you release a record, there's so many ideas and concepts floating around in what you've made. It is very hard to put something together that is overwhelmingly abysmal if you're not someone that is already known for stuff like that, if you're not somebody that's just like a terrible musician, if you're people with slight musical talent or, you know, actual musical talent, like the members of Green Day are meant to have, as legend have it, has it, um, usually you should come up with something... Okay, and I think a lot of my problems with this record is how is with how derivative the entire thing is from start to finish. And it's not derivative in such a way that the average listener would hear this and go, oh, music critic people, you're being so critical 
this is fine. It's like, no, it's not. This is the music that they put on at like footy games for 30 seconds and everyone in the crowd goes, I've never heard this song, but I feel like I should have. Like, it's, it's a nothing. It's a nothing. It's like cookie cutter in the absolute most literal way that you can transpose that term to musical works. There is no idea here that's original. There is no melody, no guitar line. There is no lyric that came from anywhere other than what has come before in the halls of mediocrity, in the halls of college rock and high school rock in America. Because for some reason, Americans think they can do punk. And I'm just going to do a whole musical history lesson. This might be the longest episode just because of the anger that I feel that I listen to this. This is like 26, 29 minutes long, right? It feels like about an hour and a half because you're sitting there the whole time just wringing your wrists, right? Pulling your hair out, saying to yourself, what the fuck am I listening to, right? I'm going to go through this in kind of a, an all-encompassing way so I never have to return to these concepts. I never have to deal with another record like this on the show, okay? So... Let's start with, with, with the development of punk music. Okay, punk music is English, right? It comes from Britain. There's a school of thought that would like to act as if Americans invented punk because they had a bunch of garage rock bands in the 60s like the Sonics and the Monks who were actually from, um, well, they were based in Germany, but they were American, so that's kind of a, that's a, bit, of a bit divisive, that issue. But um, uh, And they had, you know, they had Iggy Pop working and they had... Patty Smith, although she's like 1975, so that isn't even the birth. And they had the Ramones and all this stuff. And they had the real commercial punk and they had the proto-punk. And so there are people that would like to act as if Americans invented punk music. Thing is, that's not exactly true. Punk music developed out of Britain as a response to a particular discontent with the functioning of society, right? And that discontent with the function of society actually didn't stop it didn't halt and go away after the birth of punk music. In fact, it continued until now. <laughs> the spirit of that punk music, that, that anger with society, actually hasn't gone away in Britain. It stayed, right? Punk music happened, it existed, and it flared out. But what it created was a culture of anti-establishment sentiment that never, ever left, never left the country, right? Now, in America, they didn't have so much to worry about um, at least at that point, because I, I'm, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, give me an email just to tell me I'm wrong about this. I'll take the whole episode down and redo it, right? But as far as I know, Jimmy Carter was president around the time that um, all the, uh, the punk stuff was happening in America, for real, right, simultaneously with Britain. Now, Jimmy Carter, as far as I know, was one of the less divisive presidents in the history of the United States of America, in fact, it seems like things were pretty calm and relaxed when he was in office as compared to Nixon or Reagan. So America almost had their punk scene uh, kind of before actual punk existed and after, right? Before with Garage Rock and the Stooges and things like that. So when Nixon was president and after with um, other types of Garage Rock and, and, and noise rock, you know, and, and, and hardcore stuff and metal stuff. So like Metallica, Sonic Youth, people like that. Um, but when the actual punk movement was happening worldwide, and here in Australia, the Saints were one of the first punk groups in the world. They got flown to Britain to record their records and singles. They were very popular at the time, and they've kind of slipped through the cracks. 
But the reason that punk blew up here and in New Zealand or whatever um, at the same time as in Britain is because around the mid-70s, our Prime Minister uh, was removed from office by the Americans and by the English because he was conspiring, well, not conspiring, he was attempting to draft legislation uh, that would have passed that would have effectively made Australia a republic and independent from the Commonwealth of Great Britain. And America saw Australia as a bit of a pawn in war, for example, Vietnam, and then later the Gulf War, Afghanistan, Iraq, and so on. Um, and Britain saw us as quite uh, a good trade ally, and they could have a lot more leverage over how our trade worked if they had nominal power over us through the Commonwealth. So um, that we have a thing called the Governor General here, and he is technically kind of in charge of our entire uh, governmental system and he can, well, not necessarily anymore, but in the 70s he had the power to remove a Prime Minister from office if he and the Crown saw fit and so that's what happened and our uh, Prime Minister Gough Whitlam was removed from office, uh, which is a bit of a sore spot in Australian history for many people that, that, that know about that and it certainly stoked up a bit of... Um, anger here, and I, I assume mostly amongst the youth, and that's where the punk movement comes from here. Um, in America, there wasn't so much of that going on. Vietnam was done, and I'm not saying that the hurt from it was gone, but Vietnam was kind of done, so there was a little period of, of, of peace and prosperity in kind of the classic 70s, you know, five years where everything, it kind of seems like a bit of a golden age, obviously things got worse. Um, but that's why they've never exactly been able to get into it, because Americans don't, they never really got where the anger in punk came from. So whenever you hear American punk, um, it's either quite poetic and esoteric, for example, Patti Smith, or it's very juvenile, and it's all about being a young person, doing young person things like the Ramones. There's never the anger and the fury of, like, Sex Pistols, you know. There's never, like, the depth of angst, because it's not just about being young, it's about the angst of being young, about the uncertainty. That's buzzcocks and that kind of stuff. Um, and when post-punk, a new wave made its way to America, what you got was, like, Blondie, which is not the same thing as in Britain getting New Order, you know, Joy Division and New Order and The Cure and all these other bands. So it's almost as if American culture never really allowed for the understanding of punk because, one, it's a massive country and you can never understand a country's youth completely coming together around a movement, right? Um, obviously, they had moments like that in American history, but generally, it doesn't happen so much as it happens in a smaller country like Britain or Australia, right? So it's a very difficult thing to talk about American punk because a lot of people, and it, it's still here because, you know, here specifically in Australia, because a lot of people don't uh, get what punk means. When, pe when you say punk to a certain group of people, they know what you mean. They know you mean the Sex Pistols. They know you mean Joy Division. They know you mean the groups that defined that and, and invented that, you know, Modern Lovers, whatever, right? That they were American, I suppose, but you know what I mean? And they weren't exactly punk, but that's another story for another time. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Americans will go to Green Day or they'll go to, like, uh, Blink-182 or something like that. And you, it always baffles me a bit because I'm like, I don't understand how you could think that that is punk if that's 25 years after the movement and the production's nowhere similar and the songwriting's got nothing to do with it. And then you realise, oh, right, they have a different idea of what punk means. If, uh, 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 essentially, for Americans, just generic alternative rock music uh, geared towards young people, that's what they call punk, which is why you have all these bands like that that crop up every now and then. And Green Day is at the forefront of that because they were politically active and aware at some point, and that was in the George Bush years when they were already kind of washed up a bit, and they had American Idiot, which I, I'm gonna, just going to be honest with you, I haven't heard. I've heard too many uh, 
mediocre things about it for me to engage with it. Like, I understand it would have been seminal work at the time of its release, but I don't want to throw myself into the George Bush era if I don't have to. You know, I don't want to feel the angst of that because it's not like it never really ended, uh, specifically right now. So it's kind of uh, not 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 an area of of musical recent musical history that I've necessarily cared about very much. Um, generally, for me, that two thousands decade is a bit of a dark spot with um, art in music. I feel like that's the point where commercialism dominated most of the music industry because with the advent of iTunes and then all the record labels scramble to catch up with a single and suddenly every record is either 70 minutes or people only release singles and it's just a it's painful it's like the age of the CD sucks because it's really hard to find five great records from one year a lot of the time it's it's you know I don't have a lot of um, albums I listen to or I'm a fan of that come from that time period and it's a little bit um, you know it, it, it makes it less uh, lovable when I, when I think about it. You know, I've got fond, fond works in all, in all periods of time, but you look at that and you go, meh, and Green Day being uh, kind of centred in that era, even if they're more of a 90s band, now they're centred around American Idiot, it makes them less endearing to me. But that doesn't really have much of a weighting on this record. I'm just giving you the background, because when you listen to this, and you hear them call it two things. If they're talking about this, Green Day, they're calling it two things. They're either calling it punk rock, they're calling it rock and roll. It's fucking neither. Okay, rock and roll is a dead genre. There has been no rock and roll since the Rolling Stones. Rock and roll needs, right? And people call rock music rock and roll. It doesn't work like that. Rock and roll music specifically, right, specifically has a um, audible blues an audible blues influence. If you cannot hear the blues music in the rock, it's not rock and roll, it's just rock music, okay? If you can't hear, you know, the, the, the ragtime keyboard, if you can't hear the tapping of your feet, if you can't hear the fact that B.B. King could have played this on Lucille, then it's not necessarily rock and roll music, right? Even with Led Zeppelin, you can hear the blues in it, right? You put on Led Zeppelin, it's a blues record, but obviously it's metal, whatever, it's, it's a blues record cranked up to 100. That was all of the draw of all that early metal stuff, Deep Purple, whatever you want, right? It's all, it's all that, okay? So there's not really been rock and roll music since um, early Stones in the 60s, right? Because uh, after you get, you know, past that point to the 70s, a lot of what is called rock and roll, it becomes stadium rock, it becomes indie rock, you get punk, obviously, you know, new wave, whatever, whatever, whatever you know, industrial stuff and noise stuff and whatever, and you lose that core progression of what was blues that became rock and roll, it's gone, okay? Hasn't been around for a long time. Certainly not going to find it on Father of All Motherfuckers, okay? You're not going to find punk here either because punk needs a message. And they have gone the opposite route. Maybe Green Day wanted to make a, a Trump record and then decided not to um, because what they seem to have done is like decided, oh, we have to come back. You know, we, we were here last time, similar things were happening. We got to, But then... They've decided to go completely apolitical, maybe to make more money and be less controversial. But the problem is, I'm, I mean, look, honestly, I actually, listening to the, the, the production quality, the songwriting quality, even the way, like, the vocals sound, not necessarily the vocal performance, but just they're doing that Arctic Monkeys thing where they absolutely douse the, um, the vocals in sound effects and, and, and kind of sounding like he's singing in a shoebox. I hate that sound. I really hate that sound. And so many groups do it, you know. Um, it, it, it's, it's a terrible sound, and that's why those groups don't have critical success, because it's, 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 it's boring. It's like that Fallout Boy 
you know, they sound like Fallout Boy, who are already shit. And then Green Day is, it's, oh, man. You know, it's derivative, not even of things that have come before, not even of things that were good. It's derivative of things that are already mediocre and derivative of things that came from prior. This is like the, the babushka doll of mediocre music that appeals only to 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 um, somebody around the age of 12. This is this is what that is. This is the smallest doll in the babushka. This is the smallest doll that you pull out and it doesn't open again, right? That's what this is. That's what this record is. Um, and I just, I just, I wish I had something more to say maybe, but I think if they had tried to do a Trump record, it would potentially have been worse because um, instead of it just being kind of inoffensive, you know, going to parties and doing youth things, instead it would have been like trying to say something serious, but it would have sounded the way it does and been the way it does, and that would have been kind of undermining their message just because it's so depressingly average. So maybe it's a good thing they didn't try and do a Trump record. I didn't want them to. I generally don't like it when a musician tries to make a political work. There are obviously some musicians and that's their entire thing. Bob Dylan, even though he likes to act like he's apolitical, Billy Bragg, for example, right? There are people who that's their thing. But if it's not your thing and you don't do it well, don't try and do it, you know? And Green Day don't often, which is good. Um, and I think one of the prerequisites for really being punk is you either have to have some kind of, kind of you, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta deal in some sort of literary depth beyond just the music. You gotta have like a you know, you gotta have like classical illusions or maybe you gotta have like biblical illusions or you gotta have like some real poeticism to what you're doing. Or you gotta have like a, a political stance. You gotta have like something going on. Something has to be going on in your work for it to be punk. That's that's the defining factor. If you're just slamming your guitar and you're doing you know, you're talking about whatever you want to talk about, it doesn't really it doesn't doesn't translate as punk. And and certainly no, no American group besides maybe the Ramones have even come close to the minimum um, for punk. And I'm not saying I don't like the Ramones, by the way, or Patti Smith. I like them both a lot. I just wouldn't lump them in um, with with the real the real punk acts, you know. And I certainly wouldn't put Green Day anywhere near either of them. I would put them in a very different category. That large behemoth that found its genesis in in that hot topic store in America called alternative rock. That doesn't mean anything. Something's called alternative, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't doesn't have a definition. You know, you you, you never go, ah, oh, alternative rock. It's this and this. No, it's just rock music in general. But you can't call something rock music anymore because that's kind of dead. The whole operative um basis of music in the twenty first century is rock is dead, what replaces it? And we've had twenty years and no answer to that question. You know? This certainly isn't the answer to that question. Anyway, I can't even rate this out of 10. It's so devoid of anything but a 40-year-old man trying to act like he's 12, and it's depressing to hear it because you're like, dude, this, like, it's, it's so, oh, it's so bland. I wish I could play you this entire album so you know what I'm talking about and don't just sit there going, oh, so negative. Like, no, no, dickhead, trust me, this is impossible. Embarrassing, like this is. This is like, it's weird. They've, huh, in dodging um, doing a, a, an anti-Trump record, they've kind of made the sort of inoffensive crowd pleaser, not even pleaser, but like crowd eh, ambivalence encouraging music that would actually be played at a Trump rally. 
you know, like claps in place of drums and just like really bad like MIDI clap sounds as well, in place of drums and just things like that. Just like such dumb, obvious decisions. It's too compressed, right? The vocal sounds like shit, I told you that. All the lyrics are like, I'm with my friends, going to the club, gonna get down, mm, baby, get down. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? Who, who, why did they all decide, every single member of this band worked on this for months and decided that this was the finished project? And it's only 25 minutes long. It's such an embarrassment, the entire work. Anyway, I, don't, I can't even rate this. I don't know what to give this. I've, it, it defies um, measuring in quality because it just seems like such a hack effort. I don't know, give it a four out of 10. Give it a three or a four, right? That's like 1.5 stars, two stars. It's just a nothing album. And I'm gonna play you, and I usually, um, whenever I play a song in these, I usually go and buy it on iTunes. Um, I didn't do it for this. I don't want that in my iTunes library, so I downloaded this off YouTube, so sorry if the quality's a bit bad. And this song is called I Actually Shit You Not. I was a teenage teenager. Yeah, okay.
why. Thank you very much for listening to my podcast, Record Store, with me. Um, if you want to contact the podcast, it's recordstorepodcast at gmail.com. I check it almost every day, and I never get any emails. Um, the sound effects are from soundbible.com. Night in Venice is the little jazz song they always play, and that's by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Um, please listen to the next episode. I think it's going to be the new record by the band LaRue. See you next time. Thank you.